don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to our podcast. True Crimes and Story Times. I'm Kirsten. I'm Michelle. And if you didn't listen to my episode last week, I talked about Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you don't know who they are, just go listen to that episode. Yeah, it was pretty good. I would say, like, definitely shed a different light on them as well. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, oh, these are all the things they did. It kind of went into, like, oh, but here are some other things they did that's right. not really brought to light that right. often. So I thought it was pretty good. So, this week and next week are kind of going to be continuations of them. Not so much them, but movies that are based around them, mm-hmm. basically. Um, so, this week I'm going to talk about the Amityville Horror Story. Nice. Which um, is a movie, I don't know, which I didn't know Ryan Reynolds is in it in the 2005. Really? Yeah. Wait, I've, when did the first Amityville Horror movie come out? It was like out? 19... Yeah, because I remember people saying they were so terrified, and you go back and watch the first exactly Amityville remember. Horror, and you're like, that is not even scary. I think it came out in the 90s, but the one I'm going to be talking uh, about... Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. The one I'm talking about in today's episode is the one from 2005. Okay. It has Ryan Reynolds in it. There's a lot of different ones. 1979 oh yeah i told you i didn't think it was that oh yeah i was about to say not the 90s yeah i didn't think it was that early Mm -hmm. i thought so i was like wait a second it even says in my notes um they're the books Mm -hmm. it's based off of a book oh which i didn't know i did not know that either um a book by jay anson which Mm -hmm. was published in september of 1977 but that book is the basis of a series of films that was released in 1979 and forward. Hmm. Right I knew it was, notes. like, way earlier than that. Yeah. I'm like, hold on, because the first movie is so, like, cringy. You can uh-huh. tell it's, like, 70s, 80s yeah. horror because it's not scary at all. That's why I was like, mm-hmm. there's no way that was in the 90s. But I didn't know Ryan Reynolds was in the 2005 one. Hmm. Interesting. The more you know. He also plays Deadpool? Yeah. Okay. He does all kind of different genres of mm-hmm. movies. Um, but the book is based on the claims of paranormal experiences by the Lutz family, mm-hmm. but has led to controversy and lawsuits over its truthfulness. Here we go again with, with that. Anything. Um, but it is kind of based off of a true story. Okay. Or like um, stems from this true story. So on November 13th, 1974, this is true. Okay. Um, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed six members of his family at 112 Ocean Avenue, a large Dutch colonial house situated in a suburban neighborhood in Amityville on the south shore of Long Island, New York. So that really did happen. Okay. He was convicted of second-degree murder in November 1975 and sentenced to six terms of 25 years to life in prison. DeFeo died in custody in March of 2021. That was just last Recently, year. yeah. In December of 1975. So, this is where, 
like the movie starts. Mm-hmm. My mom wasn't even born then. Nineteen seventy. Oh no, my my parents weren't either. I guess. Dang, we're young. Man, I love we're about how, to be twenty four. I love how we keep saying we're so old lately, and then I read that, and I'm like, my mom wasn't even born yet. Oh, which by the way, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it's literally my birthday. Hey, I get to upload this on my happy birthday, birthday to Kirsten. <laughs> no, no, thank you. She's older than me, twenty four by like. Two weeks. (laughs) It's fine. She's older than me, guys. We always joke. She's always like, that's why I'm older than you. And I'm like, that's why you're going to die first. (laughs) (laughs) Way to get real morbid. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) That doesn't mean you're going to die first. I know. I'm just playing. I just like to. We just like to bicker at each other. It's funny. Okay. We love each other, though. It's all good. Anyways. Okay. So, in December 1975, George and Kathy Lutz and their three children moved into the house. So, like I said, this is what the movie is based off of. Okay. Okay, these events. After 28 days, and this is what the book is based off of. Okay. The Amityville Horror, the book. After 28 days, the Lutzes fled the house, claiming to have been terrorized by paranormal phenomena while living there. Phenomena. That's a weird Phenomena. Why does that make me say that? That's a song, isn't it? Isn't that like a jingle? I don't know. I don't but know. that's what goes through my head. Yeah. That, maybe it is. Maybe that's why that goes through my head. I, I'm going to remember it later. Uh, I feel like I need to look this up while you're talking. Okay. We're just going to wait. Phenomena. Do, Phenomena. Do, 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 do. I feel like it's an old jingle, not a song. Like a jingle. I feel like it was on a commercial or something and yeah. it integrated itself into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Anyways. a hidden memory. Yeah. So, the book describes the house at 112 Ocean Avenue as remaining empty for 13 months after the DeFeo murders. In December 1975, George and Kathleen Lutz bought the house for what was considered to be a bargain price of $80,000. Were realtors, like, required to tell you what any deaths or murders in the house within the last, like, just five or ten contract. years? Well, I know they have to now, but I didn't know if they had to back I don't then. think it was. I don't think so interesting i don't think so because it so was not, like, it wasn't oh, disclosed we gotta, to them this house has a steal yeah and, but low-key people got murdered not yeah, low-key very high key so this is, sorry this is when you couldn't like google <laughs> did people get murdered in my how house how many people have died in my house <laughs> literally an interior address history of 1975 my <laughs> so if you didn't see the newspaper you probably didn't know well people could go to like um, I don't know, libraries or like Yeah. They have news like then too. To have well they would have like records of their the home like homeowners records. Yeah, but who wants to do that? Yeah, nobody. I mean, sorry, I'm just spoiled. I got Google at the tip yeah. of my fingers that I can Google anything I want. Who has lived at this address in the past Dude, ten years? I'd be getting all kinds of people's mail. Literally all different names. It's literally. so annoying. I'm like, this person does not live here. They haven't lived here in a long time. Even if you, after you write, like, does not live here, return to, to return to sender. They keep sending it. Literally. And it's illegal to throw it away. Kirsten's silent, so I know she's throwing it Is away. it illegal? Yes. Oops. I definitely have done that before. Me too. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so... The house was a five-bedroom house and was built in Dutch colonial style and had a distinctive gambrel roof. So I had to look that, look up what that meant. It was like the roof of a barn where oh. it kind of goes down on the sides and then like up at an angle to a point. Oh, yeah. okay. I get you. Yeah. 
It also had a swimming pool and a boathouse, and it was located on a canal. Man, that does sound like a steal. 80000 yeah. for all that? Yeah. Plus murder? Literally. Let, let's sort of tally. How many times am I going to say literally in this episode? <laughs> I've already said it like 10 times. Take a shot. <laughs> George and Kathy married in July 1975, and each had their own homes, but they wanted to start fresh with a new property. Kathy had three children from a previous marriage, Daniel, who was nine, Christopher, who was seven, and Melissa, or Missy, who was five. They also owned a crossbreed Malamute Labrador dog named Harry. Oh, that's so cute. Malamute Labrador. I'm trying to, like, figure out what that Wait, looks like. Wait, have you like ever seen, seen the movie Scary Godmother? No. What? I don't think so. If y'all know, y'all know, because a lot of people haven't seen it for whatever reason. Just look it up on YouTube later. Okay. But it's Scary Godmother, and there's a werewolf named Harry. Oh, really? <laughs> and that's what that reminds me of for whatever reason, but nice. I'm literally going to show you before we record the next episode. But anyways. Okay. okay. During their first inspection of the house, the real estate broker told them about the DeFeo murders and asked if this would affect their decision. There's your answer. After discussing the matter, they decided that it was not a problem. <laughs> red flag Y'all. red flag Y'all-er. listen that's, listen that's, that's where, where they fucked, fucked up, up. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that's so funny we're keeping the saying alive <laughs> so the let's family moved on december 18th 1975 much of the defeo family's furniture was still in the house because it's included as for four hundred dollars as part of the deal. That's even worse. Yeah, that's their energy is in the furniture, bro. In the fabric, in the makings of the furniture. Just throw it away. Throw it away. <laughs> A friend of George Lutz learned about the history of the house and insisted on having it blessed. At the time, George was a non-practicing Methodist and had no experience of what this would entail. Kathy was a non-practicing Catholic and explained the process. George knew a Catholic priest named Father Ray, in the book he's referred to as Father Mencuso, who agreed to carry out the house blessing. Father Mencuso was a lawyer, judge of the Catholic court, and psychotherapist who lived at the local Sacred Heart Rectory. He arrived to perform the blessing while George and Kathy were unpacking their belongings on the afternoon of December 18, 1975, the day they moved in, and went into the building to carry out the rites to bless it. When he flicked the first holy water and began to pray, he heard a masculine voice demand that he get out. That's, see, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> when leaving the house, Father Mancuso did not mention this incident to either George or Kathy. So he's like, if I tell these people, they're going to be out. So yeah. we're just not going to mention it. On December 24th, 1975, Father Mancuso called George Lutz and advised him to stay out of the second floor room where he had heard the mysterious voice the former bedroom of Mark and John Matthew DeFeo, that Kathy planned to use as a sewing room, but the call was cut short by static. Okay, but hold up. You just bought this whole ass house, and this dude's and like, stay out of, stay the out one of room. that one room. No. Absolutely not. No, I thought you came and blessed the house. I thought that Literally. means clean sleep. All Literally. good. Following his visit to the house, Father Mancuso allegedly developed a high fever and blisters on his hands similar to stigmata. Didn't know what that was either. Yeah, I don't know what that That is. That is marks on the body similar to the crucifixion of Jesus. Gotcha. So, like, in the middle of your hand, on your feet, Mm -hmm. like, middle of your feet. Right. The, across your head from, like, the thorn, the crown of thorns. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even, like, one, like, by your heart in the middle of your chest. Okay. At first, George and Kathy experienced nothing unusual in the house. 
Talking about their experiences subsequently, they reported that it was as if they were each living in a different house. By mid-January 1976, after another attempt at a house blessing by George and Kathy, they experienced what would turn out to be their final night in the house. The Lutzes declined to give a full account of the events that took place on this occasion, describing them as too frightening. So they, no, they never said what happened. Interesting. So the priest just went in there and pitched whatever was in there off. Yeah. After getting in touch with Father Mancuso, the Lutzes decided to take some belongings and stay at Kathy's mother's house in nearby Deer Park, New York, until they had sorted out the problems with the house. They claimed that the phenomena followed them there with the final scene of Anse's book describing greenish-black slime coming up the staircase toward them. Interesting. This is at um, Kathy's mother's house. Ghost plasma? Literally. If I say literally one more damn time. <laughs> That's like me was so, dude. <laughs> oh my god, it pisses me off. I'm just going to leave it in, though. You guys just have to listen to me say literally all the time. Guys, I'm trying to cut down on this hose, okay? <laughs> all right. On January 14th, 1976, George and Kathy Lutz, with their three children and their dog, Harry, left 112 Ocean Avenue, leaving all of their possessions behind. The next day, a mover arrived to remove the possessions to send to the Lutzes. He reported no paranormal phenomena while inside the house. Phenomena. So, like I said previously, the book sparked inspiration for many movies in which you see what could have been the events that led up to the Lutzes leaving the house. Okay. Because they never disclosed what really happened. Yeah, so they're, they're leaving it to the imagination. So, that's where the movies come in. Gotcha. So we're going to talk about Amityville Horror that came out in 2005. The okay. one with Ryan Reynolds. It starts out at 3.15 a.m. Oh, uh, nope. At, on November 13th, <laughs> 1974, Ronald DeFeo Jr. murdering his entire family at, at their house at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. Is November 13th a Friday, too? I don't know. 1974? Could be. If it is at 3.15 in the morning, that's a little sus. That's a little sus to me. It was a Wednesday. Damn. The claim... uh, No, he claimed that... (laughs) (laughs) What did he do? He claimed that he was persuaded to kill them by voices he heard in the house. One year later, a married couple, George and Kathy Lutz, moved into the house along with Kathy's three children from a previous marriage. In the movie, they are named Billy, Michael, and Chelsea. Okay. The family soon begins experiencing paranormal events in the house. Chelsea claims that she has befriended a girl named Jody, a name belonging to one of the murdered DeFeo children. One night, the couple decided to go out and they hire a babysitter to watch the three kids. When the babysitter, who was named Lisa, Mm -hmm. arrives, they come to find out that she had previously been hired to babysit for the DeFeos. Why does something always happen when there's a babysitter involved? She's like, yeah, I used to I used to babysit the kids that got murdered in this yeah, house. Yeah, like, why would you go back there? Sorry, Lisa, yeah. but red no flag thanks. for me. Maybe it was Lisa. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Lisa tells them about the murders that took place in their house. When she goes to Chelsea's room, Chelsea tells her that she's a bad babysitter, claiming that Jody told her so. Oh. Red flag. Lisa begins to scold Jody for being the reason behind her getting fired. Oh, well, she didn't disclose that when she was telling them about the murders, no, yeah. did she? 
Then Billy dares Lisa to go inside the closet, the same closet where Jody was murdered, and she gets locked inside. After a few seconds, she encounters Jody herself and begs to be let out. She goes into shock, and the paramedics arrive to take her away. On the way to the hospital, Lisa tells Kathy that she had seen Jody. George's behavior towards Kathy and her children become abusive, and the paranormal activity continues. One night, George hears Harry barking in the boathouse. Seemingly possessed, he grabs the axe and proceeds to murder the family dog. <gasps> no! That's the Rip worst. Rip Harry. Oh, no. Why, the, why is it always got to be the dog? Literally. It's literally always the dog. And the dogs are so cute. Like, that's like the worst thing. I can see people get murdered in a movie all day, but the dog... The dog. the dog, especially when his name is Harry. Harry, how cute is that? They should have spelled it H I H A I R Y. Yeah. <laughs> the children look for Harry the next day, with George denying he knows where he is, despite Billy's suspicions. Oh, so the kids getting suspicious. Mm-hmm. Kathy asked the priest, Father Calloway, to bless the house as a protective measure to prevent any future paranormal incidents, but Father Calloway flees the house. 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 you sound like me <laughs> when he encounters such occurrences himself kathy discovers that the house once belonged to a cult preacher named reverend jeremiah ketchum that reminds me of dragon ball z is that what it is dragon ball or is it no it's um i'm gonna sound Whoa, so stupid hold up. pokemon <laughs> gotta catch them all gotta catch them all yeah that's funny Isn't dragon that- ball z i was about to say that's a Kamehameha. <laughs> isn't, isn't the main character's name is Ash Ketchum? I feel like yes. And I feel like we're about to get roasted like a mother. Because <laughs> we, really, we weren't really into Pokemon. No. Okay, my brothers, no. yes, they're into Pokemon. My uh, uncle at the time, when I was growing up, he was totally into Pokemon. Me? My brother no. was totally into Pokemon, but um, he was into Yu-Gi-Oh! Dude, same. Ball. See, I liked Yu-Gi-Oh. I watched Dragon Ball Z. I just never got into Pokemon. I didn't watch I did them. watch the show. Mm-hmm. I just, like, never got into it like that. Not like, me. You know? Mm-hmm. I was into, like, I don't even know. Hello Kitty. I loved Hello Kitty. I liked Polly Cartoon Pockets. Network. Cartoon Network was my shit. Disney Man. Channel? Bruh. Bruh. We're on a tangent. Okay. Like, Nickelodeon didn't even exist to me. Dude, Nickelodeon, I love that, too, though. I was a but, SpongeBob like, I Carly. Girlie. I liked iCarly. Yeah, I love Drake and Josh. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan of Zoe 101. Roaster. <laughs> Roaster. No, I'm just... Anyway, let's continue. Jeremiah Ketchum, yep. whose evil actions towards Native Americans during his mission in the 17th century Amityville are said to be the cause of the haunting. <sighs> Meanwhile, as George is walking through the basement of the house... He encounters the apparitions of the various Native Americans who were tortured and killed there by Ketchum centuries ago. Oh, okay. Interesting. Entering a dimly lit room, George encounters Ketchum himself, though he's not aware of who he is. Okay. And the ghostly figure of the evil missionary turns around, picks up a knife, and slits his throat in an act of recreating his suicide, covering George with blood and causing him to become nearly completely possessed. Mm. So, like, it got real bad real fast. Yeah, that, like, completely flipped. Like. Yeah. Kathy becomes convinced that George's abusive behavior is owned to a spiritual possession. Following 
urgent advice from Father Calloway, Kathy tries to evacuate her children from the house and escort them to safety, but the possessed George attempts to kill her and the children. Kathy knocks him out to prevent him from doing so and transport him away from the residence by boat. George is then released from the spirit's control and the family permanently leaves the house. A title card states that the family left within 28 days of arriving and never returned. Jody is shown standing in the now empty house and screaming in terror while the house rearranges itself back to its original state bef- bef- like before the family had moved in. Interesting. She is then pulled beneath the floor by a pair of disembodied hands. And that's the end of the movie. So, like, whatever was possessing him only possessed him in the house. Yeah. Once he got away from the house. That's how it is a lot because, um, I don't know if you guys watch Ghost Adventures. Maybe this isn't a, sorry, I'm moving around and you can hear that. Um. It's fine. But I was going to say, like, if you've seen in Ghost Adventures, like, a lot of times when the people get out of the house, they start to feel better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they can only get you where you're in that house. In the house, yeah. Yeah. So now I've got some interesting facts for you. Okay. About the Amityville Horror House. Okay. So the stepfather, George Lutz, he had a history of dabbling in the occult. Oh. Mm-hmm. George was said to wake up at 3.15 a.m. every morning, which was around the time that Ron carried out his murders. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. The Lutz family claimed to smell strange odors, Sulfur? see green slime oozing out of the walls and keyholes, and experience cold spots in certain areas of the house. The green slime just seems like That's, Ghostbusters type shit. Yeah, like that, that seems, seems like a little much. Mm-hmm. I can see like the cold spots in the house. Yeah. That makes sense. But but maybe. Maybe. play devil's advocate. Maybe the green slime wasn't real. It was That's just true. the paranormal entity putting right. on a making show. Right, making you see it. Making you see it. Because if they have possession of you, they may be able to make you see things that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Because if they have you suppressed enough within the home, mm-hmm. you never know. Um, after telling their story, George and Kathy took a lie detector test to prove their innocence, and they passed. That don't necessarily mean anything. I know, we know but. From- history from past episodes lie detector tests don't mean nothing yeah but still i mean not everybody can like that's true if they both passed yeah then that's a little like you know maybe they are telling the truth not everybody can just sit there i'd probably fail a damn lie detector test because of my anxiety i'd probably fail because they based it off of like your heart rate so my heart would be racing i'm like yeah no yeah no even if i told the truth i'm would almost positively fail yeah same the couple was bogged down in legal and financial issues which prompted skeptics to believe that they had the motive to create a fantastical story to sell to the public well they did it the let's former lawyer william weber who fell out with them over money issues came out in 1979 claiming the three of them came up with the horror story over many bottles of wine But maybe he was trying to ruin them because he's not getting his money. That is also true. I like to play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have realized. (laughs) I think they have. I like to see both sides. She just likes to argue. No, I just like to debate. I just like to play devil's advocate. Yeah. I'm I'm a person Mm -hmm. that sees many perspectives. When someone tells me a story, 
I try to see all sides. I try to think of the other person involved in the situation mm-hmm. and think about just different possibilities. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, like, when somebody tells me a story, I, you always got to realize there's always two sides to a story. I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. She even does it to me. Like, I'll, I do. I'll be, like, venting to her about a situation or whatever, mm-hmm. and she'll be like, but think about it this way. And I'm like, no. Yeah, just she's mad. Just listen to what moment. I have to say. She's like, I don't want solutions. I just, I just want comfort. I want you to be on my side, bro. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't but care about like, them. I, <laughs> I'm just trying to be a good person. <laughs> it's really hard not to do that. Yeah, but I mean, that's the Gemini in me because I have it in my big three. Oh my goodness. So you know, <laughs> I don't even remember what mine are. I think I'm a I Capricorn, I'm... Gemini Moon, Scorpio Rising. Okay. I think. I don't know. I know I've got Scorpio in me somewhere. I don't know what it is. We have to just look. I don't know. Everybody has a little bit of everything in their chart, depending on who you meet and all that. Anyways, this is not an astrological lesson. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, the son, Daniel, who lives in Queens, New York, as a stonemason, claims the house ruined his life and that he continues to have nightmares to this day. But... Ed and Lorraine Warren's daughter. What's her name? Totally forget. Anywho. Whatever her name is. Uh-huh. I think she just passed away not that long ago, didn't she? Really? I thought she did. No, maybe it was Lorraine. Lorraine passed away in like 2019 or something. Okay, then it wasn't her. But her daughter still does interviews like occasionally. But she still has nightmares and things of that nature to mm-hmm. this day. And thinks about what happened back then. And they could have been a complete hoax. Yeah. So it's all about if you make it real for your kids. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. Last one that I have for you guys. The Amityville house officially sold in February 2017 to an undisclosed owner for $605,000, which was $200,000 less than the original asking price, which that's a big difference. It had been previously owned by four other families since the murders one of which had the address changed to 108 Ocean Avenue, and it was originally 112 Ocean Avenue. Okay, but changing the address <laughs> does not change. Doesn't change anything. No. But nothing like, has happened since. I just want to say I don't claim this negative energy, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying if nothing has happened since what happened with the Lutz family, mm-hmm. nothing's happened since then. So, like, where did it go? Mm, that's a good question. If they, if what it was if real, it was just a spirit. What if there was nothing like demon-like actually there? What if it was just spirits? Mm-hmm. Well, if that guy got possessed, then there had to have been a demon. Mm-hmm. But that was in the movie, though. That was the movie. Nothing right. was really disclosed about what really did happen in the house. But if it was leave. just spirits in the house, maybe they finally laid to rest for. Mm-hmm. Because or, and they could have been agitated. By um, the priest coming in and doing a cleanse. Yeah, that's true. But, like, as far as that goes, it's hard to say because you never know. Maybe one family made them come out more. Mm-hmm. Never know. Yeah. You know, you gotta stand your ground with the ghosties. You gotta, you gotta be like, say, get the fuck out. You're not welcome in my home. Yeah. I do not and give you permission to be here. Yeah. Exactly. I do and not then, give you consent. And then they leave. Mm-hmm. So... That's all you gotta do. Except for Amityville. Sounded a little bit more top tier than top that. Top tier. But, or they just made it seem that way. Yeah. 
But that's all I have for you guys today on Amityville Horror. Another um, good one in the books. A couple updates for you guys. Um, we've been working on a Patreon. Kirsten's been working on the Patreon. <laughs> not your girl. All the credit. I'm not gonna take all the credit. Um, but I'm, I'm. You can take all the credit. She's been doing a lot of the work right now. We're getting. Some we're gonna discuss to out. some things still. Mm-hmm. But she's been doing a lot of the work, so I am giving my girl the credit here. She deserves it. It's fine. Um, but there's there's some pretty cool things coming. I think. Um, so just look out for that in the next few episodes. Um, we're going to have it up by January 1st. That's a goal. Yes. Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of work to be done before then. Also, sorry that we've been releasing episodes late. We're trying to get everything back on track. It's been really difficult lately, especially with the holidays and everything. We've just been Mm -hmm. so busy. Yeah. Um, as far as me, I've been really busy, so it's just really hard. We just, life has been getting to us lately there's been some other things going on so we're we're trying to get our our best to get back on track to get on our normal wednesday friday release schedule so hopefully we can do that if you guys have any suggestions of things you want to see from the patreon things you might be interested in um that we don't normally do Mm -hmm. let us know send us dm tweet at us um you know whatever yeah find us on tiktok the link to all of our social medias will be in the show notes. Faux show. You can email us at tcstpod at gmail.com. Yep. If you have any suggestions for story times or um, any cases you want, want us to cover, anything like that, we're really open to anything. Yep. We only have, let me see, for our schedule, we have up to, well, I have up to... February 22nd is that Wednesday release date and February 24th. We just have up to that scheduled right now. I still have a couple slots for story time and Kirsten has a couple slots for story time. So, and then we have the rest of the year that we still need to schedule. But right now I'm only scheduled up till February for true crime. So, so we have, we have enough time. You guys can send us suggestions and we can fit them all in. Yep. Um, You just gotta let us know. We don't know what you guys want if you don't tell us. And don't forget to leave us a review or a rating rating. on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. Mm -hmm. I know we get most of our listeners on Apple Podcasts, though. And Amazon Music has actually been going up. Hmm. So, if you guys are on Amazon Music, please rate us. Or anywhere else you can rate us, please Mm -hmm. do. We appreciate it. We've gotten a few more ratings since we've been saying that. So, thank you for that, guys. We appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Your feedback is very much appreciated and helpful um like i said we don't know how to improve ourselves if we don't get any feedback so we do feed- know that we need to release on time though <laughs> that is true um like i said life and the holidays everybody knows it's super busy mm-hmm. around this time so we'll definitely be back on track after christmas for sure make sure you guys go listen to um michelle's podcast or michelle's podcast <sighs> Michelle's episode. This is my podcast. I know. Michelle's <laughs> episode um, from last week talking about um, Casey and, well, Kaylee, Kaylee Anthony. Anthony. We're not saying Casey because, you know, she, she don't deserve the recognition that she gets. I feel like Kaylee does. So mm-hmm. we're calling it Kaylee Anthony. Um, Part two will be up um, this Friday. Yep. So make sure you guys go listen to that too. Um, instead of listening, instead of watching her documentary, just listen to our, our podcast. Yeah, so uh, 
Don't last give her week, any money. Last week, I did part one. This coming week, I did part two. And then the following week after that, leading up to Christmas, we are going to go over the documentary and some of the things that she talks about. I'm not going to watch the documentary because I don't want to give her any money. But I am going to look up clips and stuff so I can see a little bit about what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And we can kind of compare what she's saying to the facts that we went over in the case. Mm-hmm. And just kind of go over what we think about. We're going to try to be like as calm as possible when we talk about it. We might get a little frustrated, obviously. There was a young girl who died because mm-hmm. of all this. And everybody thinks it's Casey. I mean, there's a lot of things pointing towards Casey and even her family. Mm-hmm. Um which, I mean, there's some things that where you're just like, there's no way that she didn't mm-hmm. allegedly do it. But anyways, we'll go more over that in um, the documentary. So there's going to, it's basically a three-parter. Um, but, but I just wanted. worth it. Yeah. I just wanted to do a separate episode to talk about the documentary. I was going to do it in part two, but I'm not going to keep droning on about it. So that's all we got for you. Thanks for listening. Bye.